Radio. Mary in the Scriptures Part 1 A talk by Paul Ellard at the Immaculata Mission School 2017 held at the Launceston Church Grammar School in Tasmania. There was this young priest. He'd only been a priest. No, no, you don't want to be this one, Father. Um, he, he was, uh, he'd only been a, a year, and every time he got up to give a homily, he'd get so nervous, he'd just forget the most obvious things and just come out all silly and everything was disconnected because he kept forgetting the obvious things. And then people would just, they'd just fall asleep and go, you know, ignore his homily, basically. Anyway, one day he got to meet with the bishop and the bishop said, my son, how's it going? How's it going? He says, oh, bishop, it's not good. It's not good. He said, I, I get so nervous that I forget the most obvious things. And then all my words come out jumbled and the congregation, they just get disinterested and fall asleep. He says, ah, oh, my son, don't worry. He said, look. Let, let me give you a hint. He said, look, you've got to kind of give them a bit of a shock sometimes to wake them up. He said, look, for instance, last Sunday was the Feast of the Annunciation. So I, I said, I got up in front of the congregation and I said, I've got a confession to tell you all. They all look like this. I'm in love with a beautiful woman. And I'm going to lay down my life for her. And her name is Mary. Ah, oh, everyone goes. <laughs> and I love her very much. He says, all right, Bishop, I'll, I'll, I'll try. So next weekend, he's all, he's all nervous again. And he, he walks up to the pulpit and he goes, I, 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 I've got a confession to make to you all. And they all look up like this. The Bishop's in love with a beautiful woman. <laughs> And, and he's going to give his life for her. And her name, uh, oh, I can't remember her name, but he loves her very much. <laughs> All right. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about Our Lady. And, um, you know, Our Lady changed my life back in 1988. Telling my age here. Transform my, I wouldn't be standing here now if it wasn't for Our Lady, I tell you. I was caught up in New Age stuff and all that. But anyway, I just tell you that she has never let me down. Never. In my deepest, darkest hour, she was there, always there for me. And she'll be there for you too. You know, I like to say there's three great gifts that God's given His church the Eucharist, the very gift of Himself. His own mother, the gift of his own mother Mary, and of course the Pope, as Father said. And these are kind of like the litmus tests for the genuine church that Jesus founded. If ever you find any one of those under attack, you know that the enemy's at work. So I'm going to be saying some things tonight, and perhaps some of these you might say, Really? Does the church teach that? Be gentle. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Just be open, surrender, and let the Holy Spirit broaden your faith. 
I'm going to put it to you bluntly that if Mary is not in your spirituality, then I'm going to suggest to you something very important is missing. Let me just show you a few slides. This is the famous St. John Bosco. You know St. John Bosco? He, um, one of his sets to have a lot of dreams, like St. Joseph did, prophetic dreams. This was one. There, he saw a time when the church, which was represented by this boat, so it was like the church and the world. So it was like a, an ocean where there was a big boat and lots of little boats. And the little boats were attacking the big boat. You can see the guns and the books. <laughs> the books here attacking the, the big boat. Anyway, a storm broke out and it, the whole ocean started to get really rocky. Lots of boats went under. Lots of little boats went up and were rescued by the big boat. But the storm got so bad that even the big boat was in danger of going under. And St. John Bosco saw this man in white representing the Pope. He moved to the front of the boat and he looked into the distance and he saw two pillars coming out of the ocean. One, the tallest one, was a pillar with the Eucharist on it and the smaller one with Our Lady on it. And he ordered that this boat, meaning representing the church, be anchored between these two pillars. And this is what stopped this big boat from going under like all the others. So many people say, well, perhaps we're in that time now. We're not sure. But still, there's a great message there for us. You know, John Paul the Great, remember his theme? Totus to us. Wherever he went, people held up banners. Totus to us, totus to us. In Latin, it means completely yours, Mary. He consecrated his priesthood at a very young age to Mary. And look where it brought him. Mary is involved in the world like never before. We're having so many apparitions. And this year is the 100th anniversary of Fatima, these three little visionaries here. And the key message is, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. I could just do a whole talk on that alone. But we've got a reason for hope. Pope Francis, Mary untire of knots. James mentioned this. It's, it's the Pope's um, kind of personal devotion. And it's, the idea is that there is a bit of a story behind it. We haven't got time to go into it. But basically, Mary unties the knots of our lives. And um, when the Pope, before he was Pope, was head of the Jesuits, he actually got, from what I understand, he got fired from being head of the Jesuits. And he went to Germany, and his life was kind of in a bit of a mess. And he looked to Mary to put it all back together again. And did she ever put it back together again? And whenever the Pope goes on travels these days, he always takes flowers down St. Mary Majors and puts the flowers there for his devotion to Mary. I just very quickly want to show you this. Tonight we're going to talk mainly about Mary and Scripture, but I just thought this worth sharing. This is one of the newest apparitions of Mary that's been approved by the church. You probably haven't heard it. It's called Mary of the Rosary of San Nicholas. It's in Argentina. It's in Pope's old ground. And this lady here, Gladys on the left, had over 1,800 messages from October 83 to February 1990. A lady asked for a sanctuary to build, which was built. But what I wanted to show you, share with you was just one message of those 1,800. This is Jesus speaking. Previously, the world was saved with Noah's ark. 
Today, the ark is my mother. We'll talk more about that later. By means of her, souls will be saved because it will bring them towards me. Now get this. Whoever rejects my mother rejects me. If ever there was an era not to give up your devotion to Mary, it's now. Absolutely now. Okay, let's move on. Ultimately, every spiritual gift that God gives us through Mary, we can't just stay at the head. We're going to be talking a lot of things that are a little bit heady, but remember we're talking about the love of a mother. You don't intellectualise your mother. You love them, right? So it's got to go from here to here to be effective. And how do we do that? Through prayer. Mary lives to honour and glorify the Trinity and to bring all of humanity to glorify the Trinity. Just to make it clear, we don't adore Mary, we don't worship her. We honour Mary. Mary leads us to Jesus. We can't honour her too much, providing we make one, one concept clear in our mind. God is the creator, Mary is creature. Once we establish that, and there's an infinite gap between creator and creature, then we can never honour Mary too much. It's a bit like saying, I don't want to be too healthy. You know, it's just a stupid thing. You can't pray to Mary too much because Mary takes you to Jesus. So, you know, people, you hear people say things like this. You hear people say, um, oh, you know, I don't pray to Mary. I go straight to Jesus, like as though it's some kind of shortcut. But the truth is, the shortcut to Jesus is through Mary. And you ask anyone who has a strong devotion to Mary, they'll tell you that's absolute truth. Here we go. Father verifies it. So I put it to you that if you have a problem with Mary, you really have a problem with Jesus. You haven't understood Jesus if you've got a problem with Mary. So let's be gentle with ourselves, open our hearts up and Let's let the Spirit lead us. St. Louis de Montfort said this, Mary is the surest, easiest, shortest, and most perfect means to become like her son. Let's have a look at what the church teaches about Mary. And I've put these to deliberately kind of make you a bit uncomfortable, all right? But... We want to do that so that you really fully understand what the church teaches, okay? I'm not making these up. These are the church teachings. Number one, next to Jesus, who is obviously both human and divine, the greatest human person in creation is a woman. Sorry, gentlemen. And it's Mary. Number two, these aren't in any particular order. Mary exists to help bring about God's plan of salvation for all humanity. Number three, Mary is without sin whatsoever, neither venial nor mortal. Once we acknowledge God as creator, as we just said previously, and Mary as creature, we cannot honour Mary too much. True devotion to Mary can only lead us to Jesus. Now, Mary has this unique relationship with God. She's daughter of the Father, Mother of the Son 
and spouse of the Holy Spirit. Francis of Assisi was probably the first person to use that term, spouse of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because in Scripture it says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she became pregnant with baby Jesus. It's just so beautiful, so holy. So you can see why Mary is the epicenter of the theology of the body. Number seven, even at Mary's conception, she had a much higher degree of grace than any angel or saint that ever existed. Now that one, doesn't that one blow a few of the brain cells? Number eight, Mary already has a glorified, resurrected body. And in fact, she lives now in heaven with both her body and soul. Right? We call that the assumption of Mary's body taken up into heaven. So two people in heaven now with bodies and souls. And one day, all of us too, we'll have resurrected bodies as male and female. Nine, Jesus wants us to pray to him through Mary. It's not like he's saying, oh, well, all right, if you want to pray to my mother, that's okay. No, no, no. He's saying, if you want to come to me, especially in this era of time, you come by the door of Mary. You can ask why, 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 and we'll try and explain some, but in the end... This is Jesus' decision. Number 10, oh, this is really not so much a church teaching, but it's an, it's an observation. We are living today in a special age of Mary. Okay. It's important to note that everything Mary is, every gift that she's been given, is derived from her unique relationship with Jesus. Every gift Mary has is subordinate to and dependent upon Jesus. Mary is mother and servant of the heart of Jesus. So united with him as servant, she knows his heart so deeply that she can anticipate what he wants. It's like, like you know, married couple, two lovers. One just looks at the other and the other one knows what's thinking uh, Time to go, time to eat, time to whatever. You just know. Well, Jesus and Mary have this beautiful relationship. What's the fourth commandment? You can't believe how many times I've asked that question in deathly silence. (laughs) Honour thy father and thy mother. No one lives the fourth commandment better than Jesus. Thank you very much. He honours his father and his mother. And what do we do? We're called to imitate Jesus. In the book of Ecclesiasticus, it says, He who honours his mother is like someone amassing a fortune. Well, if that applies to our earthly mother, how much more does that apply to our heavenly mother? St. Maximilian Colby said, Never fear about loving Mary too much. Because you'll never love her more than Jesus did. (laughs) Beautiful, isn't it? Because of her unique relationship, Mary can only reflect the Trinity to us, not herself. And I love this line, Father Joseph Kentenich, he's the founder of Schoenstatt. Some of you may have heard of the Schoenstatt movement. He says this, In the natural order, a child loves his mother first, then his father. It's the role of the mother to teach the child to love his father. Mary does that with us to God the Father. 
right? Baby comes out of the womb, what happens? You don't say, oh, here, Dad. No, no, sorry, <laughs> straight to Mum first, right? Baby bonds, and then we go to the Father. Devotion to Mary is not new. Um, this prayer, I went to a Maris Brothers school. We used to say this prayer every day. And this prayer, I don't know if you can read it here, but it's dated back 250. So the scriptures were, the canon of the scriptures were declared, what, 389, around 400. This is well before then, 250. And we've, and we've actually got a remnant. We know it's true because we've got an actual remnant. Uh, of of that written in the original Greek. And I'll read you the prayer, it's over here. Beneath thy compassion we take refuge, O Mother of God. See that already, Mother of God, 250 AD. Do not despise our petition in times of trouble, but rescue us from dangers. Only pure one, only blessed one. Beautiful prayer. Dates back to a long time. All right, when I was putting all this together years ago, it's like, let's get to the crux of it. I had a couple of mates, one mate in particular, very good Christian, very good Christian, admire him very much. But as soon as you talk about Mary, uh -uh, down come the shutters. And so you start to go in, what is the issue? Are they just anti-Catholic? Well, in my mate's case, no, he wasn't anti-Catholic. He just had this problem with Mary. And a guy called Mark Maravalli in Steubenville, he really opened this up and he, he, he put this approach together, actually together with Scott Hahn. They got a, a talk on uh, Our Lady for this. But So we, they do this, ask the question, why do some people feel reluctant to have a strong devotion to Mary? The answer is that they feel that somehow devotion to Mary detracts from the glory of God. And that's what they'll say. And you think, well, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? No, it's not reasonable. Let's open it up and have a look. Let's ask another question. Did God create the world to get more glory? No. God is complete within himself. He lacks nothing. That song we sang before, you don't need us, right? God is complete within himself. So if God didn't create the world to get more glory... God created the world to give glory. When God gives, he empowers others through his gifts. Fathers want their children to do better at university than they did. They want to empower their children to go out and to be better than what they are. They're not, they're not afraid. They want to give. They want to empower their children. This is very natural. So when God gives, he empowers. He's not threatened by his creation. <laughs> He's bigger than creation by a long shot, right? In his mother, Jesus has empowered her the most by giving her every gift he can possibly give her. And to drive this point home, Jesus is the only one who could choose and create his mother. If you could choose and create your mother, would you make a sinless? Would you give her every gift that you could possibly? Well, of course you could. But it's a nonsense statement because we can't do it. It's not for Jesus. He created his own mother and he lavished her with gifts. He honoured his mother. He just lived out the fourth commandment that he gave us. God's masterpiece 
in all of his creation is Mary. We are actually God's masterpiece, greater than any other creation in the world we are, and Mary is the highest honour of our race. And so she is at the top. It's a beautiful thing. This is a um, painting from the Louvre Museum. You're not supposed to take photos in the Louvre Museum, apparently. But anyway, I did, because I, I love this, right? <laughs> so I use it for holy purposes, so that's how I justify it with God. Huh? It, I'm explaining your mother, Lord. It's all right. So just supposing, pick on somebody here, I'll pick on Abby. Just supposing Abby painted that painting. Do you paint, Abby? No, she doesn't, but just pretend she does, right? She paints this painting. I walk in and go, wow, look at that painting. Look at the depth, the perspective, and all the detail. And look at these little scenes here and all the detail in those. This painting is amazing, Abby. Abby's going to say, oh, thanks very much, Paul. It's very kind of you. But imagine if I said, no, no, I'm not complimenting you, Abby. I'm complimenting the painting. So, well, that's absurd because I did it. The more I compliment how great that is, the more I'm complimenting the person who created it, in this case, Abby. So, the more we extol the greatness of Mary, the more we extol the artist who made her, Jesus. We're going to stop thinking petty, you know, and jealousies. And we're thinking human way. We're not thinking divine way. God holds nothing back. He gives everything to Mary. And she can only give glory to God. If our image of God, which is very important, if that's master-slave, we'll never understand Mary. Why do I say that? Because you, a lot of the Protestant uh, religions do have this approach. Right? Calvin said, we're snow-covered dung. That's not Catholic theology. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we're weak and messy and all that. But there is always the potential for greatness. There is always the potential for redeeming and holiness. We're not just covered up and hidden, snow-covered dung. Our dung is transformed. Right? Put it that way. <laughs> so if we see God as loving Father, then we, we're not, we don't see Mary as a threat. But if we see God as master-slave, then Mary's going to be a threat. Remember, Christianity differs from every other religion in the world. Why? Because of the incarnation. God became man. You, you have to understand in other religions, this is outrageous. God doesn't become man. This is just nonsense. We accept it all the time. Without Mary, there is no incarnation. The angel Gabriel comes and says, invites her, and she goes, oh, no, not me. Maybe the girl next door, she might be interested. Not no, she doesn't. She submits, be it done unto me according to your word. You know the thing. It's beautiful. So without Mary's yes, the incarnation would have been impossible. Saints like St. Louis de Montfort, Maximin and Colby put it nice and simple. Jesus came to us through Mary and we returned the same way. 
I remember once I gave a week retreat on Mary, and there was one guy in my class who wrestled with the whole thing of Mary, 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 and at the end he got up and gave his testimony. He said, the bottom line is this, Jesus came just through Mary and we returned the same way. That for him just said it all, all the other arguments. That's, he didn't need it. You know, a lot of people, a lot of us, none of us come from perfect families, none of us. If we have a problem with our father, we've had a bad father image, we find it really hard to relate to God the Father. There's no denying that. But the same thing applies to Mary. If our mother, earthly mother hasn't been a good image for us, then we're going to have trouble connecting to Mary. But you see, we don't have to worry about that because none of our parents are perfect. My mother is beautiful as she is and I love her so much. She's not the perfect mother. There's only one perfect mother and that's Mary. So we can turn to her and she can give us all that love that we never got from our earthly mother. If we really build that relationship, she can be the perfect mother and God the Father can be the perfect father. And any um, things that we missed out on our earthly parents can be offset and enriched. It's beautiful. It's setting us free and it's healing us. Pope Francis said this, to grow in the faith without Mary... It's like growing up in an orphanage. The Christian has no right to be without a mother. Typical Pope Francis style. Eh? God could have done things different, right? If you and I were designing, how would the Messiah come on earth? I know about you, but I think, okay, you know, like on the... Uh, on the Transfiguration Mountain, well, well, you know, it's up there and this big cloud comes down. The apostles are sort of hanging around and all of a sudden Jesus steps out of this blazing light and says, I am the Messiah, I'm here, and away we go, right? But no, that's not the way, that's not the way God designed it. He said, well, the Messiah will, won't come in a blaze of glory, come in the womb of Mary and be there for nine months and get born in a stable in a cave. Hey, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the poor. Why did he do that? Because there's great wisdom in there for us. There's things to learn. So we have to come with humble hearts and ponder these things, reflect on them. Why did he choose to come that way? And one of the things, he keeps honouring his mother. And he wants us to do that. See, Mary and Jesus work together. If you take Mary out of the picture, you're going to miss it on who Jesus is. And that's just not a comment. That's actually an historical fact. Mary's flesh and blood would form the flesh and blood of the Messiah. Think about that. That just blow a few of the brain cells. One way to think of Mary is that if we are the body of Christ and Christ is its head then Mary is the neck. This is why we honour Mary. She's the link between God and us. So if we have no Mary, we have no Jesus. If Mary the Incarnation said, sorry, I'm not interested, or we take Mary out of the picture. However, if we know Mary, then we know Jesus. Okay, so that's cute, but it's more than just a cute expression, Right? I love it. I know Paul loves it too. He gets excited. He's like me. He gets excited about silly things like that. But it's, it's, it's actually real. In the early 
years, the early church was trying to work out who is Jesus. Some say he's divine. Some say he's man. Who is he? How do we define this? And it was a big deal because heresies were coming up and people, they were saying, he's God. He's not man. Get rid of this man idea. He's God. He's only divine. And they're saying, well, I don't know. So they basically got their heads together and they solved the question, cut a long story short and put it in simple terms, by asking, who was it that Mary gave birth to? Mary gave birth to a human being who was divine. Okay, there's our declaration. Jesus is fully human and fully divine. And that's basically how we get it. And so what did they do? They said, let's declare that Mary is the mother of God. And that then came out of this. And what did it do? It helped clarify who Jesus was. Now that's only one example. There's lots of examples. We haven't got time, but that one is a, is a, a good one to remember. If Mary is not the mother of God and Jesus is not divine, we are not saved. Because, and the same thing applies. If Jesus is not human, we are still not saved. We are only saved if that person on the cross is fully divine and fully man. Otherwise, we're not saved. And Mary helps bring clarity to that. That was Paul Allard with Mary in the Scriptures, Part 1. For more from the Immaculata Mission School, visit cradio.org.au.